Hey there, everyone, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Chronicles of Mister. In this episode, I get the chance to speak with Etan Morales. This is part one of our conversation, and this is the Chronicles of Mister. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Chronicles of Mister. I'm Mister Pierre, and I am joined by Mrs. Morales an excellent educator who I had the honor of working with back a couple of years. Itan, how are you? And good morning. Hi. Good morning. It's so nice to be here with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it is, it is a joy. And, um, another coworker of ours, Ms. Chamawa, who I had the conver- uh, pleasure of speaking to a couple of days ago, I felt like, uh, we didn't get the full, or I didn't feel like I got the fullness of being able to work with you with more than, just that little bit of time that we had at California Collegiate. So I'm really happy that we're still able to every now and again, catch up. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was very short lived, but it was like some of the best experiences together, even though we're short <laughs> and online. Yeah. It, it made like a really big, big impact, honestly. So Agreed. I'm just glad I got to meet the people that I got to meet and, you know, learn from everyone at California Collegiate. For sure. For sure. Um, I guess we can start at the beginning. Like what sort of brought you into education? So originally I thought I wanted to be a lawyer when I was like a senior in high school. Um, I think I really enjoyed a class. Uh, I think it was world history and just talking a lot about social justice. And I guess my perspective in high school was like that the only way that I was able to do something about all the issues that I was actually like learning about and um, really digesting was like through getting into the legal system. So that, that was what I thought. Um, and like my mom always encouraged me, like, you know, you, you like you like defending people all the time and you, you're really good at talking and um, giving like plain devil's advocate or, you know, defending what's right. And um, her being a part of a workers union, like really, and seeing her in like the the trenches, as you can say, um, it really inspired me when I was in high school, just seeing her uh, working like literally um, and not being scared, you know? So I thought that's what I wanted to do. And uh, (laughs) being in college and taking classes and joining groups, I found out really quickly that it was, it was not where I wanted to be. It was a very, a very tough uh, space for like someone like me to be in. Like, okay. Um, and and what I mean by that, it was just I didn't feel a connection to a lot of the folks that I was, you know, working with at the time, mm. or like even like students and student programs. I didn't feel connected. I felt isolated, and they weren't there for the reasons that I was there. So it just I didn't feel right. Got so. It, in college, I tried out this program through AmeriCorps. No, first, yeah, yeah. I tried out this program called Jumpstart through AmeriCorps. And it was working with, and, and it was just random. It was like somebody told me about it. And they were like, oh, there's this program. You can do like a like work study at the university. And, you know, you get to work with kids. And I was like, oh, that's easy. I've, I had younger siblings. I've taught them to read. Um, I can do this. So I I did the program for a year. I really loved the partnership with parents because when they're younger, I think they were like kindergartners, 
it was just like there was a lot of parent involvement and I really loved that. Um I started really getting into like that, oh, I can I can do something about the injustices in education. Right. Um there so was like a very um it was in Santa Ana, so it was underfunded, um, underserved community, uh, working with young children, working on their literacy skills. And I really I recognized how much of a need there was, even at a young age, even something like kindergarten where kids weren't they didn't really know the alphabet or they were they were having trouble with like a lot of different things related to literacy. And that's when like my journey started. I knew I didn't want to work with young kids. So then the next year I tried academic advising through another program called EAOP. And I fell in love with working with high schoolers. Like, I think it was just like feeling seen and connected with like the other people I was working with. Um, uh, also other people of color who were there for like some of the same reasons. Um, the students weren't like that much younger than me. Like it, it felt like I was working with my little brother and little sister. Um, and that's how I saw a lot of the kids, you know, while I was a college student, a, a college student, I saw those kids who were in high school, like my, like a part of my community. So it was just very natural. Once I started getting into the, into the hang and swing of things, like it was just, it felt right. And then that's when I decided to apply to Teach for America, um, my senior year of college. So okay. that's where my journey started. Dope, dope, Long, dope. but, you know. No, I think many of us who are who are still in the profession recognize that it isn't like a direct. There are a lot of folks who maybe they had a mom, a dad, or whomever was a teacher, and so they became a teacher to follow in their footsteps. But there are some of us who, like myself included, that we sort of got here through a different path and we're still in it. Yeah, and I just, I really didn't have an idea of how, like, what I wanted to do. I just... I just knew like I wanted to go to college because nobody in my family had gone to college. So it was kind of like me learning and navigating like on my own, even like getting into college, like, oh, wait, I have to apply, but I can't use like my mom because she's undocumented. Like, who do I put on my taxes? You know, it was like a lot of like figuring it out as I was going. Mm-hmm. And I and, and since I struggled through that, I was like, well, academic advising is something that I can I can do to help other kids who were in my same boat. And by yeah. that time, Obama had already um, created like DACA for like a lot of others, like opened up like a lot of opportunities for students who didn't have it before. So now it became like this, um, this new um, avenue for students to get to college, you know, without having to worry about, oh, there's there's no money for me because uh, through that DREAM Act, they were able to apply. And I was able to like advocate for a lot of kids who thought they couldn't apply. So it just made me really, really happy to see some of those kids and families like really enjoy their journey going to college too for the first time in their families. So you touched on a couple of things of you, you being first gen and having to learn a lot of it on your own. And then rather than sort of just sitting in that space of like, all right, now that I understand what to do, it's like, all right, let me just go. I can't just sit with this knowledge by myself. I have to, to share with others and help others who, who look like me and who are in similar situations. Yeah. So it's it, it, it sounds like from the jump, you had the heart of a teacher. <laughs> yeah. And then I just, um, at my high school, I think just seeing like a lot of the inequities because I like, I have this unique, I guess, situation where, I started off not being in like the honors classes, the AP classes, 
in ninth grade when I was in high school. And then they transferred me to honors and all of those things when I was in 10th grade. So I got to see like two perspectives of like sitting in a class where kids weren't getting information, right? Because I don't know, for whatever reason, they think like, oh, you're not an honors or AP, so you must not want to go to college or for some reason, just slipping in the cracks. And and then going to 10th grade, 11th and 12th and going with all the other kids who were like knowledgeable and like, oh, you have to apply to this. You have to do extracurriculars. And just feeling like it was it was already unfair, even within our community, like separating the kids by like who who's worthy of this knowledge, you know? Um, right. And and, you know, helping my friends out who didn't know any better or who didn't have that. Um, I don't want to say privilege because it's not even a privilege. It's just information that we should all have. Right. 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 It should be just basically like you just mentioned, like a basic, right. But unfortunately it's not. And so when folks like yourself, who I can't think of another word of like, are not stingy with it. Like, look, I, I've, <laughs> I'm learning all this and I, I'm now recognizing how I'm going to be able to, to pay, whether it be scholarships or grants or whatever, rather than just sit on it and be like, all right, I'm going to, keep this for myself and gatekeep you like, no, let me share. So that, um, that whole idea of like, you know, learn one and then teach one. Um, so yeah, that's dope. That's, that's something I can attest to that you are a person who, when you come to know something, you're not looking just to hold, hoard it to yourself, but you're looking to share it. Oh so yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. What, um, what is keeping you sort of in the work? Because so many, as we know, with the pandemic, so many are choosing to, to leave the profession, but like what's keeping you, keeping you going because it can't be easy. We, well, we know it's not easy. <laughs> it's not. Um, and I just think to myself, sometimes I think to myself, like it's actually getting harder to, um, how do I, like sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm fighting to keep students engaged um, and I'm fighting to like bring my ideas that I know can possibly work to like admin um, ideas as in, you know, what I think is best for some of my students or like what kind of resources we need. So it gets, it gets frustrating and hard for all the reasons that we have no control over. Um, and I think what keeps me like there, I think it's every like small win with like a student or a family or a coworker, honestly, I, I'm, I used to be an emotional learner as a student and I think I'm an emotional or like community worker. So if I don't find like an emotional or community connection to the work that I'm doing, I don't feel satisfied or I don't feel like I need to keep going. And um, I'm starting to build that connection with like some of the people that I work with now, but it wasn't like instant or it wasn't as easy when I did it at my previous job because like I went in knowing two people at my previous job. Like I started working with two people that I felt connected to mm -hmm. and I knew they were about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it was much easier. So I think what keeps me going is really just that, that connection and those wins and just, I guess in a way, just staying hopeful that things are going to change one day or hopeful that like 
every day is like a new day for even my kids. Like yeah. the kid that was struggling yesterday, like, ooh, today he was he was killing it, killing it with the assignment or um yeah, just like those like little simple things that I I find very rewarding to be honest. Yeah. Mm. Get the small wins, acknowledge the small wins, yeah. bask in those small wins, yeah. And just like trying not to be so critical of of my work because like it's very easy to just continue to like be so hard and criticize myself and the work that I do because like maybe test scores aren't as high as I wish they'd be or the wins aren't as large as like the the state wants them to be but at the end of the day there's those small wins which tell me like there's something we're doing collectively okay or there's some change being made there's care there's love you know and the kids show it they they show it when they show up for us and they try and they show us love so that's that's what i care about What's up? That's what's up. Nice. What, um, I forgot to ask, like what, cause what is your current position now? So I, right now I'm the ELD coordinator for the school I work for and mm-hmm. a slash teacher. Okay. So your, your full day isn't spent in the classroom. It's also helping out or the responsibilities that you have as the ELD coordinator. Yes. So okay. my day is broken up into a couple of different roles. So I'm, I work as a support person, like mm-hmm. in other teachers' classrooms. So I get to either co-teach or just support with small group mm-hmm. for a couple of periods. I teach my own classes for for a couple of periods. Um, as of now, we only have two grade levels in at the school I work at, but we will have 11th and 12th grade. Obviously, we're going to grow Um as we continue to like stay open and, um, and I also go do observations with, um, admin, um, from the lens of a, of a EOD, uh, coordinator. So looking for like strategies and things that are related to EL learners. So English language Mm -hmm. learners. And then the last part is like coordinator work, which is like monitoring student progress, creating like intervention plans for students who are not progressing or students who um, are are considered long-term English learners and um, getting them the services that they may need, whether it's through me or um, sending them to evaluate evaluation through like SPED or any other SST processes. So those are like kind of like the different things that I, and then just meeting with admins to talk about, you know, what implementations and PDs we need to support teachers um, for the work that we are looking in the classroom. So like just a little bit. And so knowing that you worked with uh, middle school kiddos for quite a number of years, what's it like now working with uh, high school kiddos? Oh, I, it's different for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think both have like their strengths, like their unique, their unique um, aspects of working with. Um, I just, I, I think I was talking to my coworker about how like I miss the growth that I'd see in middle school, like the immediate, I don't want to say immediate, but like 
from one semester to like or one quarter to the next after having them just seeing oh they grew by like a grade level already or something and i think at the high school level it's a little bit more challenging uh for a lot of different reasons um you know kids are older they've uh, been language english language learners for a long time um so what I miss the most about middle school is is really and and the parent involvement. Um, I thought it was low in middle school, like when I'd have parent conferences or we'd have events, but it's not as low as like working at a high school. And I think I really miss that parent involvement um, with younger children's families. And I yeah. wish I had that with the high schoolers. Mm. Um, but it's, it's been a transition in like a both positive and challenging um, situation where like um, older kids tend to challenge you in different ways that younger kids don't yet like have the capacity to yet. Um, mm -hmm. In what way? In what way? Like, I think young children still like six, well, I worked with sixth graders before. So they still, there's still kids that kind of see their teachers as like, um, heroes or like like they look up to some of us in sixth mm -hmm. grade you know and yeah. i think in high school it's it's harder to be um as like connected to, like how do i say this like they don't look up to you in the state like you're not as cool anymore if that makes any sense so like you have to try yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. You have to try so many different ways to just get to these high school kids. Um, and it's, it has to be something natural. Like you can't force mm. it either. So that's what comes with being, it being hard. Like whatever your personality is, either they're going to vibe with it or they're, they're just not. Oh, and yeah, I think in middle it. school, it's a little bit different where, well, the kiddo is kind of like, they're going to vibe with you because they're just younger. And yep. at that moment, <laughs> They want that adult connection, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. um, and I think the older kids are just like, well, they want to be with their friends and that's okay too, you know? But yeah, it's just a, like a unique difference. Um, it's different. I love working with both though. Like, um, cool. I, when they tell me like, what do you prefer? I really don't have a preference. Like I love high schoolers. I love middle schoolers the same. I just love the family um, involvement in middle school. I miss working with parents as teams. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can I, a question that um, I am grappling with as a middle school teacher is knowing that my kiddos, like they aren't on that track that you mentioned, you know, um, that when you started high school, like you were on one track and you saw that it was just, it was different from then 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, mm -hmm. where the track that you were then there in the classes, the vibe was dis different. The knowledge that was being imparted to the kiddos was different. Um, and one of the things that I'm, I don't want to say struggling with, but I'm thinking about a lot lately is how to impart knowledge to the kiddos so that when they get up to whatever high school they go to, like they can recognize like, hey, if this if what I'm being given isn't of benefit to me, like it sounded like you were a kiddo who's like, yo, I really want to learn. I want to know these things. And when you weren't being given that, you didn't know what you were not being given until you were somewhere else. 
And so like, I want to empower our kids to be able to like decipher and question and really like critique if I'm at a school or if I'm even in the classroom where I'm feeling like I'm being understood, how to advocate for that, how to get their voice to be able to, to speak up to be like, who do I need to speak to, to be like, look, no shade to the teacher, but I need to move faster <laughs> or no shade to the, the teacher. Like I really need X, Y, Z. Or if you're in, once you get to high school to know, like, look, my uncle's a mechanic. I know I don't want to go to university. There's no shade of university, but I really want to go to a trade school, get a certificate, enter this profession to be able to stand in that and to be able to advocate for themselves in a way that doesn't seem uh, like it's adversarial. If, if what I'm saying is making sense, like, because with my middle school kids, like you just said, it's like, because they're so they're younger, they're like, all right, Mr. So-and-so or Miss So-and-so, like you're so much older than me. But I want to be able to go back and forth with you on this thing and it not be come off like disrespectful so that by the time you get to high school, you like you had a couple reps in to know how to like, hey, this is how I'm going to talk to an adult to be able to say this is what I need. This is what I, this is what I need from you or how to prepare me for whatever, whatever. Hey there, everyone. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Chronicles of Mister.